What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Before we get any further into today's episode, I would like you to go over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps the show to grow up on the charts as well as continue to tell the SID story. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Infocast and sign up for our newsletter at SIDcast.fireside.com. .fm slash newsletter. Now, let's get into today's conversation. What's going on, guys? I'm not using my mic today. Uh, it's acting kind of funny. Um, didn't pick up last week. I'm not quite sure what was going on with my intro there, but, uh, as I'm looking into it, um, and it's kind of late on a Wednesday night, I just wanted to get something out and something done for you. So, um, I'm using my phone, which is another method that we use to record with Keontae. Uh, again, my mic was kind of messing up when we were working with Zencaster. Um, he reported to me that it frequently cut in and cut out on him. So, um, one, I didn't want to you know, him to miss a question or miss anything that I was saying and then uh, maybe not answer or maybe uh, cause some sort of confusion or anything like that. So I, I record the old old fashioned way, which, which a lot of you seem to uh, remember and seem to like. So uh, if you're looking for kind of a throwbacky-ish episode, this, this is one of those. Um, phone being the way that I record most of my things back in back in the day, um, which is no big deal, but yeah, uh, we have Keontae on, he's a guy that has been on my radar for quite a while now, ever since he was at St. Edwards, um, recently moved to Texas State back in January, I think, or February, one of the two, uh, I usually, like I always say this, I usually give people some time to acclimate to their new, new digs, new environment, uh, new job before I go in and, and ask them a, a ton of questions, so, uh, yeah, finally was able to catch up with him. He was recommended to me by Kelvin Quelles, uh, I think a long time ago, Kelvin, um, back when he was at Texas A&M Kingsville. We talked a little bit today, uh, something that I'm like really for, and that's uh, Division Two, Division Three NAI people should always be included in the discussion of, of moving up. Um, we talk a lot about the philosophy of some of the hiring managers at a higher division and some goals that you might have and why it's so hard for you to break in. Uh, we also talk about having a difficult conversation or maybe even the career conversation with your family. When you have children like Keontae has, you have one boy and one on the way, um, how it might be difficult or how you might have to say no or say yes to some opportunities, uh, depending on what situation it is in. So, yeah, that's kind of the gist of what we talked about today. Um, not a whole lot going on outside of that. I appreciate all the love here lately. You guys absolutely loved the episode last week, so we're gonna keep it rolling for you. Just like I said, you're not you're not gonna miss more than than two weeks at a time. And I'm kind of seeing a little bit down the line here as far as weeks are concerned. Um, we've got a couple of great guests coming on, so I don't anticipate missing really any for the next couple of weeks. Um, until Thanksgiving, I always miss Thanksgiving because you don't want an episode on Thanksgiving, and I don't want to do an episode on Thanksgiving, so um, let's help each other out and, and not have that happen, 
how does that sound? So yeah, um, November is going to be great. October has been better. Uh, actually, we don't even know what November is going to be like, but I- I'm excited nonetheless. So how about I stop rambling? This might be the shortest intro I've ever done. Uh, not really have much to say, which is a good thing, I guess. No news is good news. So let's start off episode 137 of SID Counts with Keontae Herrera of the Texas State Bobcats and his very first Texas Sports Information right here on SID Cast. So I went to southeastern Louisiana. I'm from uh, Louisiana, who that all the way. And uh, when I was there, I did a marketing uh, student worker position. But then for my, my program, I had to do an internship in order to graduate. For that last semester, I actually did an internship um, at Tulane for strength and conditioning. Hmm. And I, strength and conditioning was, you know, a role I wanted to go to and uh, my supervisor at the time, Dan Rickaby, was like, hey, you know, you want to start looking at some GA spots and stuff like that. So I started getting on there and, you know, getting on the scoop, looking for some internships and stuff like that or GA positions. And I came across Angelo State and Angelo State, they were, you know, he was like, hey, you know, I'm interested in you. Don't really have, you know, we're going to fill the GA with somebody else, but... Um, I really think you should look into our program and, you know, give Angelo State a shot and we can have you come and intern with us. So I was like, okay, well, let me look. And I looked at it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I looked at some stuff at the school, but I saw that there was no GRE and I was like, I'm down. (laughs) (laughs) So I went ahead, I put that application in real quick, got accepted. And then I I went there and I started off, you know, kind of helping out with strength and conditioning. But it was at Angela where I really, like, got a feel of college athletics. So I went and did some more marketing. Mm-hmm. I worked in facilities. I worked in tickets. Um, and then ultimately I came across athletic communications. And um, there, I mean, I just, I liked it from there. At the time, uh, there was an assistant there, um, Wes Bloomquist. He's over at Texas Tech now. And he put me in contact. I didn't know. So really, before that, I got into the field and I was like, okay, I really like this. This is what I want to do, athletic communications. And I was trying to figure out how to really get into the field Mm -hmm. versus, you know, as a student worker. I was like, I want an internship. My program is going to let me go wherever and I can finish my program from afar. So I want an internship. Um, So I have my own pocket, my own dime. I went and I paid to go to Cosada in Orlando. Uh, I think that was 2015. Or no, 2016. And um, when I got back, uh, Wes had put my name up, apparently, for a internship, a paid internship at A&M Commerce, where at the time Kevin Young was. Um, so I went over there. I interned over there. I was there for like seven months. And then I got the job at Texas A&M Kingsville with Kelvin Quayles, and I was there for about... Uh, two almost two years and that's really when i kind of started taking off so that i mean was it doing all those roles and stuff i mean you gained experience yeah but was it a little bit overwhelming for you in any sense for me i think at that age it wasn't overwhelming i think i was so hyped on like 
man, I'm trying to get in the field. Oh, I'm, I'm learning some stuff. Oh, I'm building some relationships and stuff like that. So it never was like um, overwhelming. At some point, as I got more experience in other areas, I was able to see the areas I was more interested in and others. So when it was time for me to go to work for facilities, I was like, mm, I'm not all hype about this anymore, you know, because yeah. I'm tearing down and everything and stuff like that. But I got more excited when it came down to the almost out of game and being able to like really look at my first official box score that I, you know, had a role in. It was like, oh man, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I I kind of got the same way when we start first started doing this. Um, and I started doing more and more stack crew and stuff. It kind of didn't hit me like kind of the role that I was playing, you know, in the greater part of the game. I think I was doing baseball. And uh, one, I'm not great at baseball stats, but it, just being able to print off that score, it, it felt really good and like an accomplished feeling, you know what I mean? So how important is it, do you think, for some people uh, to cut down? I mean, especially with younger uh, SIDs or maybe even younger professionals that do listen to the show. I know we have a handful of them. Um, from different programs around the country that listen. Uh, how important is it, do you think, to kind of diversify early on to, to boil down to what you want? I mean, to me, I think it's, I think it's everything just because um, – so now I'm at Texas State, and it's a Division One FBS level for football, and um, I know how to do so much that some other people didn't know how to do when they came in mm -hmm. just because at a smaller school I had to do all of those things. So now it's like, oh man, I don't have to, as simple as I don't have to, you know, put up links for our um, streaming. Yeah. All I have to do is put up links for stats, you know, but in the past I had to put up links for everything. So when somebody in another area has some kind of minor question and it's like, oh, I could speak on that. It's like, oh, you know, how you know about that? Oh, well, you know, when I was here, I had to do X, Y, Z and stuff like that. So it also helps, I think, with like having respect for what other people do too because you understand their particular grind, you know, right. and you understand what they face and what they got to do. So you might be more proactive when, okay, I got to make sure, oh, let me go and run these notes down to you know, the uh, the production room. Or let me run it to, you know, instead of just posting it online or something like that because I have more people doing more things that I know I need to get it to and information to. So I, I, I love my background. Um, I definitely wanted to change my background. After a while, I got to a point where, hey, I didn't want to necessarily do seven eight nine sports at a time mm -hmm. i wanted to kind of go to a you know a staff that was more developed and stuff but at the same time it helps with my time management because now i know how to juggle you know three sports when i was juggling eight so um no i think that that background and that diversity in the beginning is real huge i would encourage a lot of people even maybe even people who are still in the profession right now that might have been here for a while to to try and just do game day stuff for small schools. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not flashy, but like you said, and I come from a, kind of a similar background as you do. I started in the NAI D3 to D2, and then here. It's it's invaluable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People, I think they take it a, a lot for granted because, you know, a lot of people like that flashy, you know, D1 from the, from the jump. 
mm-hmm. nothing's wrong with being D1 at all. I mean, it was one of my goals. But I think that because of the things that I learned and where I was at the lower level is the reason why I got a look at the higher level. So definitely don't, you know, discredit those or if you're out there on the hunt and you're looking and seeing, but, you know, you're looking at all these schools that you never heard of, like, you know, don't even think that it's, you know, uh, a knock if you do go that route. It's actually probably going to develop you a lot more than when you go to a higher school where you don't really have to do that much of anything. But then when you start looking for jobs, it's like, oh, well, you don't have experience doing this, or you don't know how to stack, or you don't know how to do this, it comes back to hurt you. So you definitely at the beginning take that time, you know, and and do those lower levels if possible. It won't be long. There's a, uh, to me, it's kind of alarming, the hiring uh, philosophy that, like, because you haven't been at a D1 level, you can't work at a D1 level. Where I know people, like, off the top of my head, I can rattle off how many how many episodes do I have? 137 episodes. I know every single one of these people can do a damn good job any other place, but because of that, they were at the level that they are at. They're not going to get the look. I mean, what what's your kind of take on that? Let me tell you. So humbly, I'm I'm saying this humbly. Okay. I have not applied for a division two job and did not get the job. Mm-hmm. But I applied, and I probably interviewed since I started working full time about three Division ones per summer, and there was some of them that was like four or five, and I always got to the final leg, but they went with somebody who had the Division one experience, and I didn't have. That's the only knock against me. I didn't have that experience. Yeah. It's, I used to get so frustrated with that because it's like, well, yeah, I can't get the experience because nobody is like (laughs) giving me that opportunity there. Yeah. Um, So, no, yeah, I definitely understand, you know, that frustration and take. I don't all the way get it either. Like, you know, I don't know. I think there's something. And to me, it makes sense, again, because that's my background. It's like, well, if I know that this person in Division 2 or Division 3 is doing a pretty good job, they're probably doing way more than I'm going to require them to do at a division one in terms of, you know, just the volume, how many sports and all this kind of stuff. So if they can manage that and they look like they're doing pretty well, I would think that that would make a person more marketable to get Mm -hmm. a division one uh, opportunity. But, you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And lucky for you, it worked out, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm thankful for that because, uh, I was grinding for it for sure. Still grinding up. I, I like to read uh, a lot. One of the books that I do read um, has been uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Yeah. And um, they always talked about they made Navy SEAL training so hard so that when people got overseas, they're like, oh, this is easy. And yeah. I kind of see it the same way being at a smaller level because – like we said, we have our hands in different pots and different doing everything, uh, with whether it be graphic design, stats, you have to set up the stream, and now all of a sudden you don't have to do that anymore. I mean, yeah. I think it's more or less like a training ground than anything, and I, th- I don't know. But it's, uh, some people don't share the same philosophy, but... Uh, I, I actually agree with that. And to me, it's almost like, you know, a lot of your best coaches out there, they are going to schedule tough outside of conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they get into conference, you know, it's already conference is going to be more competitive and stuff like that or closer, tighter games. 
mm-hmm. had that experience at the beginning, so it's not necessarily new to them. They can kind of handle it for more. They've been there. So, no, I think that whole philosophy, that whole thing, I, I think that's a true statement for sure. Yeah. For those of you who are stuck in this position, man, just keep hanging in there. It'll it'll happen for you. It's bound to happen for you. So Just keep going. Yep. Um, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, – Getting to, I mean, Kingsville is such a place. Uh, Kelvin has been on. Obviously, we talked about this a little bit. Um, Kingsville, Texas. <laughs> it's a bit different, isn't it? The deal. Yeah. So, uh, what was was there any sort of? Did you ever feel any culture shock going anywhere? Because the way that Kingsville, Texas has been described to me, I mean, what is that? The Lone Star Conference. There's a ton of. How close is your closest opponent in Kingsville, Texas? If I can remember, well, so now it's a little bit different because they merged with um, the Heartland Conference. So I think mm-hmm. maybe maybe International could be their closest, um, International or maybe the San Antonio schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for us, the closest, when I was there, it was Angelo State out there in San Angelo. And, and I think that was the closest. Um and we'll go all the way out to eastern New Mexico. Those last couple of years, we went to western New Mexico. Wow. I mean, it it was it was some brutal travel, and I don't know really how they break it up now. But some of the schools that's in the new uh, conference structure, I'm pretty sure those can be some uh, some very long trips. But I mean, I didn't. There were some things I didn't like about Kingsville. When I was there at first, I don't know if I would ever say culture is shock, but there's so much that um, I appreciate about it now. Right. You know, because I, um, you know, I learned a lot in the field. My family started there. You know, uh, I got married there. We had our son there. Like, you know, so there's a lot of well, actually in Corpus Christi, but you know, that's like 45 minutes from from Kingsville. So in that whole area, South Texas. It's one of probably one of my favorite areas of Texas, actually. But Kingsville itself, I mean, you know, it's it's a real deal college town. You know, it's mm-hmm. like there's nothing there uh, outside of driving up to Corpus. Um, when school is out, it, it's you know it's dead. It's pretty empty. So um, it, it definitely had its challenges with that, especially being young and you know full of energy. It's like, oh, what are we gonna do? Oh, I don't know. I guess we'll hang out and watch some of the javelinas cross the street. I don't know. <laughs> no, it was it was really a great experience being there, especially with you know school in session and that staff and those people out there. Really, really good people and really cool people to be around, especially new into the field. So you got married. You had your son, your first son. I would say. I don't know what you guys got coming on the way. What? What do you know? Yet? Uh, we will figure out, or we will reveal in December. Um, oh. I'm praying that it's a girl. Honestly, I'm, you know, trying to one boy, one girl. Really? Why? Oh yeah. <laughs> one boy, one girl, and that's it. Uh, that, if I had it my way, we'll see. You know what really happens, but um, yeah. I mean, that, that's what we'll do, or that's what we're hoping for, and we'll figure that out in December for sure. So you started your family, you kind of started your roots at some place. I mean, how difficult is it to kind of up, uproot yourself and move to a new place? I mean, you've done it, what, twice now in the last two years? Yeah, uh, man, it's pretty tough, actually, because, you know, 
it got to be a good move. It got to be the right thing. It got to mm-hmm. be a right fit because if it's not, it's like, oh, man, you know, we just left jobs or we had a, a solid, you know, system working right here. And, you know, we get this opportunity and it's good for one. But, you know, now, you know, my wife had to leave her job and kind of hopes to find another one and, and, and stuff like that. So it get kind of tough. And um, uh, for me, I have only one bad experience where, you know, I wouldn't say bad, but, you know, St. Edwards wasn't the greatest fit overall for me. Um, I learned some stuff there for sure. And I worked with Kyle Robards, who was great. He's over there at Baylor. Got him a nice natty now with women's basketball. He he was a he, he was a pleasure to work with. Um, but overall, the fit just wasn't all the way there for me. And I felt bad because you know I brought my wife all the way out here. There's right. some that you know my 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 mom was maybe an hour and a half from where St. Edwards was. So we went and stayed with her until we could find our own place. And I'm commuting there with Austin traffic. It's like, you know, three hours every day uh, on the road, just going back and forth. Then you got to go on the weekends for events and stuff. So, you know, it was kind of tough to have to deal with all of that and not really enjoying it. And she's, you know, not employed. Um, But we ended up finding a, a spot actually in San Marcos before I got the job at Texas State, so that pickup and move wasn't as bad. Mm-hmm. It's worse if it's like, oh, we picked up and moved to one spot closer in Austin and then moved again to San Marcos or something like that. But, um, no, it's definitely something like, you know, I have to be, like, I can't just up and be like, oh, you know what, I'm tired of being here. Let me go and start looking for another job. Right. Cause, you know, that's a whole different conversation and dynamic. So it's like, no, if I'm gonna be here, I gotta it gotta be the right fit. I need to make the right relationships. Like it needs to be good because unless it's an awesome opportunity, we just can't up and move every year. Right, exactly. So what does that conversation look like for you? Um, I know that there are some people who might get a little antsy in a spot, maybe, but then there are some people that actually do. And I like these people actually have career ambitions and have has a clear sight and a clear vision of where they want to be, like you did. Um, yeah. So what does that conversation look like with your family, uh, mainly your wife and maybe even your children? Well, so for, for us, it's probably a lot different than anybody else. Well, obviously, it's different than anybody else anyway. But for ours, so my wife, she actually is a four-year softball collegiate athlete. Uh, she played at East Carolina University. Hmm. Uh, but she is from... Southern California. So since that time of going to play, we met at Angelo State. Um, she's been away from home. Mm-hmm. So her her conversations is like, look, if it's not moving more towards the West, I really don't want to consider or talk about this. You know, uh-huh. when we go, so the only times that we can really go and visit family is going to be during like christmas times maybe and stuff like that well you know we can't really fly because they want to have all the gifts for the grandkids so when we travel out there it's like a two-day trip you know to go there and to come back so um she would love to be able to move closer to that west coast and before 
we had our son, I was kind of more like, man, you're just cutting me off all the map. Like, you know, I'm just so limited to this. And what if I get all these different opportunities and we can kind of, you know, do better financially with some other things? I can only look at this. But now having, you know, our son and um, just the joy he brings to the whole family on both sides and us all being together, now I have more of a, okay, well, I know that, you know, it has to be a great offer or a great situation for me to go east. Otherwise, I'm really having my eyes set on anything more west. And I kind of, to to keep the marriage, not the marriage, but to keep the home happy, I don't bring it up. Yeah. Unless it's something that I know it's a conversation she's going to want to entertain. Because if not... Yeah, I probably just do better keeping to myself. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so it was time to move from St. Edwards, like you said. Uh, it, it, basically, you found the perfect fit because you were in San Marcos already. Um, how did this whole interview process come about? Like, uh, did you, like, when you saw the job opening, you were like, man, I already live here. Like, I am perfect for this. I mean, how did you contain that, do you think? So I actually had a relationship with Texas State for a number of years. Um, for one, before I actually went to Southeast Louisiana, I got accepted to go to Texas State. Oh, really? And maybe that was some of it, but out of nowhere, you know, I was in Kingsville, and for some reason, I was just like, uh, it wasn't a job posting. I don't know what it was, but it was like, oh, man, I would like to work at Texas State. Mm-hmm. And from that time on, I was really wanting to be at Texas State. Now, um, I actually interviewed and was a finalist with Charlie Duffy, who's now over there at Indiana. Yeah, ironically. Yeah. And he ended up, you know, getting a job on my first go around. Uh, then I got the job at St. Edward, so I was kind of like, you know, I'll do, you know, a lot of stuff. Obviously, I work my job here at St. Edwards, but maybe there'll be some kind of way where, you know, I could kind of help volunteer and do something at Texas State. And then um, maybe when the assistant position comes up again, they'll look at me to bring me in because I've kind of been there already. Uh, it never really got to that point. I was working a lot, doing stuff at St. Edwards, and I was there for less than a year before another assistant position opened up. So when I applied for it again, uh, they obviously recognized me from the first time and stuff. And, you know, it, it was an easy transition. And then the fact that, hey, yeah, I actually just moved to San Marcos, I'm pretty sure that helped me out, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of crazy how that came up because it wasn't like I saw a position and and just was like, oh, I'm interested in it. It just instantly dropped like, man, I would like to work at Texas State. And I had to kind of go at it a couple times, and I finally got it. So what was it about Texas State? Because I'm sure people will sit here and they'll be like, oh, I would really love to work for, I don't know, the Cubs, or I would really like to work for, uh, heaven forbid, Purdue. Like, I mean, what is what does that kind of go through your mind, and um, how does it influence you during your job search process when you were looking for jobs? So for me, I I didn't really know, um, again, like what it was that really, why I wanted to. So when I got to Texas State, I definitely knew, oh, yeah, I want to be here. Because the last time I was at Texas State, they had what they called the wall. And um, in in our basketball facility, 
it was just like it was like almost like an oval type shape, if you will. Okay. And then the goal and the basketball who on one side of the court was behind this flat wall, and that was the arena. Well, the next time when I got back for you know um, actually taking a job. Oh man, they blew the whole wall out. They just updated the whole facility. is beautiful, but I had no idea that stuff was going on when I was looking, you know, mm-hmm. or when I was, you know, like, oh, I want to get to Texas State. So I mean, for me, it was just like I, I had the thought once. I almost had it, and I was like, okay, well, if it comes up again, I'm gonna look. And then I just kind of kept looking. For that point, I was getting a lot of uh, West Coast interviews, so I interviewed with Nevada. Uh, Santa Barbara, Arizona, you know, I interviewed with a lot of those schools on the west side and um again that division 1 experience I just didn't have it. Um and then bam, San Marcos opened up one more time. So, um yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that it was just really God just saying, "Hey, this is this is where I uh, I want to be. This is where I want you to be, really." Cuz I didn't have any kind of pre plan thing of oh this is why I want to be that I never lived in Texas State I visited it once back in maybe what 2008 before I applied uh in 2009 to go there to school so I really didn't I didn't know anybody there it wasn't nothing like that it's just I wanted to work at Texas State now that I get here I see all of the things it's like oh man this is great it's a great location it's not like it's a college town but it's not like the other college towns like when you know it's summertime and stuff, it never dies. Yeah. You know, you got the river there. You got everybody floating there. Like you know, it's just cool. So it's a really good environment to be in, and then the people just put it over the top. So you're at where you want to be. You you finally got the position that you wanted. Um, what are some things that maybe you have planned? Some things you want to accomplish while you're at Texas State? Um, you know, I'm still kind of in a the, the a phase of kind of learning how Texas State operate in some ways. Uh-huh. Um, I'm definitely not a guy who's going to try to come down and just, like, try to start doing my own thing, per se. But I definitely would like to try to improve some stuff. I would like to try to do a lot more. Um, you know, our fan base, they really like the social media move, you know. So they, they, they like more of the digital stuff, the um, videos and things like that. And I actually like doing some of those things, too, but I want to get better at them. So I want to try to, you know, step that up a lot more and, and, and really bring that more to the forefront of our department. But, you know, it's just a matter of trying to figure out how to actually, you know, do that really without stepping on toes. Because, you know, we have a marketing department that does something similar, but they're doing it for the whole you know, yeah. the whole brand as a whole. So, you know, sometimes sports get left out, sometimes or they feel they get left out. Um, so trying to be that middle gap and try to, you know, show everybody some, some good love in that digital arena is something that I really wanna put my my mark my stamp on while I'm here. You mentioned the the, the digital media and all that stuff. Um how your fan base has really loved it. Uh, how difficult is it now that you've gone from Division Two, which I mean, there were some challenges in itself for media attention, but now you're at a Division One level. Um, even still, you have to even in a market like Texas, the whole state of Texas as a whole. Um, what are your guys' kind of strategies 
to gain more media coverage or maybe even market the university or the teams itself out to uh, your target audience? Um, you know, just to be honest, I think that's something that we can still work on because I think right now we're very much uh, individual based. You know, everybody gets their sports and they do their thing and what they do is what they do. And I, I think to a degree that's that's good too, but I don't know if there's really a legit like plan or a process that everybody tries to follow for each of their sports to continue to push their, their sport out there. Um, I mean, for me, it's just really talking to a lot of the local media, really doing a lot of pitching. I, I try to go to – so I don't do football, but I try to go out there to football every now and then to rub shoulders with some of those media outlets that might not be regulars, like, you know, some of the San Antonio area and some of the, you know, North Austin area and stuff like that. I'll try to go because they'll travel more so down for football than they will for, like, you know, volume and whatnot so for me i just try to go out there i talk to them you know shake hands um definitely hand out my card and really just be just a normal person just have conversation and stuff and uh that has seemed to work well for me at this point at texas state so now i have a lot more people that you know might hit me up that is from the san antonio area and the only connection i have with them is going to other sports that might have another kind of draw from wherever, you know, uh, places that those student-athletes come from, and I'm able to kind of work my way, you know, in there. Last week, uh, we talked with Paul Smith about um, being able to kind of break out of your office, break out of your comfort zone, maybe some assertiveness a little bit, but uh, when you say that you go up and just want to shake hands, talk to the people, to me, to you and me, that's probably completely normal because we can talk to anybody, right? Yeah. But to some people, that might be a little bit difficult. Right. So what what are some things that you think that they can do or what are some things that you would say to those people that might, uh, they want to get more coverage for their teams, but they might have a problem going out and, and doing so? Um, so I am a person that's kind of like, I don't really beat around the bush too much. I'm pretty yeah. straightforward with <laughs> yeah. it. And, um, to be honest, believe it or not, I was the same way. And the real way to get better at it is to simply just do it. Mm-hmm. Just to really, you know, Hey, my name is Keontae Herrera. You know, I'm primary contact for so-and-so. Hey, let me know if you need anything. And it could be just that simple right there. And as you continue to build some confidence and those kind of things, you'll start to be able to notice and, you know, make some more smaller talk or more, you know, remarks or something like that to get you more comfortable, especially if you're being around people that you're going to see, you know, pretty often, like your local media and stuff like that. You know, um, I mean, I, I, I learned that as a real trick to, hey, let me know if you need anything was like a good way it shows you're open it shows that you know you're trying to help and stuff but it's not like you are doing or you're not just coming off the dome and try to just talk and be this big extrovert you know you're just mm-hmm. you know hey let me know if you need anything oh you know what was the bathroom oh the bathroom is blah blah blah, blah. and you know like oh man that's a nice guy that's, you know <laughs> but you know go and they'll talk to you or they'll ask you hey you know anything about you know this player or whatever like that so I think really just getting out there and just introducing yourself, letting them know, like, you know, who you are, what you do, and, you know, that you're here to help and serve them. 
and they definitely will ask you some questions to kind of whatever project they got going, and that's your end right there. From that point, you just, you know, respect them and, you know, try to be on time and give them the things that they need in a quick manner, and that is most of the early relationship building than actually sitting and having, you know, this phenomenal conversation. A lot of people try to, like, force it. When, when I oh, feel yeah. like some people, like... When they say you need to get out behind your desk, you need to go out, like people try to force it a little bit. You're not expected to be this extrovert. You're just expected to be yourself. Um, something I try, I've tried to teach one of our interns here is uh, the confidence loop is what it's called. Um, and it's the four C's. So it starts with courage. One being get the hell out there and actually talk to people. Two being consistency. Do it every single day. Three being competency, which means you're good at it. And four turns into confidence. So that's just a big old loop in, in everything you do. And kind of what Keontae said, this is going to spill over in other areas of your life as well. Sure. So um, let's move on to some uh, fun questions I, I usually like to ask people. How does that sound? Yeah, like it. Awesome. So uh, first one I have for you, Keontae. Favorite memory in your professional tenure? Well, I do have a couple of them, but I think the, the my favorite right now will probably be when I was at Kingsville, we had a finalist, um, a great athlete for track and field. Her name was Kano, or is Kano Martinez. And she was a finalist for the NCAA Woman of the Year. Um, so they sent the crew out here, and we had all kind of, you know, fancy interviews and rooms that I didn't even know existed on campus. <laughs> and, uh, you know, got some cool shots. And I got to, again, you know, rub shoulders with those media people and, you know, they was asking. I felt like I was almost out of my league, but, you know, I'm there. And, you know, they're asking me, you know, stuff, asking me stuff about her, and I can answer it. And we start building some kind of relationship just off of that. And just seeing that, it was like I had a couple of teams that went to the NCAA tournament on the Division Two level at that time. Um, but something like that, the NCAA Women of the Year Award, it just seemed so big to me. It was like oh, man, I, I really like this. I really want to, you know, I can't imagine not only, like, just getting at a, a big stage actually on the field or court, but big-time awards like this. What if I'm ever covering a Heisman mm-hmm. final or winner or something like that? So that that experience kind of made the whole college athletic uh, experience for me more real. And Like, oh, I'm, I'm really doing this. This is fun. Uh, do you have a huge horror story at all? Oh, uh, horror, I don't know, but I will say this. Um, when at Kingsville again, when um, when Kelvin left for uh, the job at UNO that fall, um, I picked up leading the department, really, and I was doing a lot of football stuff. And um, I really don't know what happened. I do think it was justified. I remember it, it being justified. Or well, I can understand the coach's right. But the coach was just upset. Uh, head football coach upset at one point about something. And he was like, hey, you know, I want you to email this to their SID and to their AD. And his complaint. And me being like fresh, just trying to survive. Cutting teeth, yeah. Like that, I went and did it. And then afterwards, I was like, that was so dumb. So then I didn't even argue back when I got messages like, hey, I don't think it was necessary to add an AD in this and blah, 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 blah. 
And I was like, you know what? No, they're right. I was just like trying to survive and not really thinking. I'm just kind of doing what I'm being told. I was like, that really didn't make sense. So to me, I don't know if I would say that's a horror story, but it's something that I was like embarrassed of with myself. Like, mm-hmm. I knew that was, I, I should have been better than that. So. Yeah, and to take ownership of the situation, probably a little bit of a growth opportunity too. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about this earlier, but uh, what is one thing that you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Yeah, definitely, like I was saying earlier, the, the um, really the videography and um, some more graphic design. I think that is something that, although I am at a Division One, I'm still at a mid-major, so, you know, I think that doing those kind of things and introducing that is right on schedule for where we are uh, as a department. Um, it's not like we're trying to be, you know, produce some super fabulous content at all times like, you know, UT or something. We would love to do it, but it's not like our fans are really expecting that. So for me, I think it's a great time for me to like, hey, I'm at a place where they want it. They haven't had it as much um, or as constant as I would want to try to provide it. So let me just build in that area and try to, you know, try to do it more. Okay, awesome. Uh, in your mind, what traits or characteristics make a good SID? Um, one thing that I've been big on, I think there's a lot, honestly, but one thing that I've been big on lately is being present for your, your student athletes and your coaches. I think that... Um, this last year, I've just made great strides just with my media coverage, knowing different things, knowing things to kind of, um, you know, test and, um, you know, push for the, the local media and stuff just because I sit at practice, you know, or I, will, I go and I, I talk to the student athletes without it being like, a oh, so-and-so wants to speak with you. You know, um, our men's basketball team, when they travel, they like to play the most extreme version of paper, rock, scissors that I've ever seen. And it gets intense. And um, I'll sit there and I'll play with them. I'll get in on it and I'll go ahead and I'll play with them and, and stuff like that. And it just has taken me a long way with, you know, growing my relationships with them, the coaches, all the support staff just because they know, like, I'm there, I'm present, and then when I am there, I'm not just, you know, being to myself, sitting on my laptop, like, I'm talking with them, I'm, you know, just talking to them about everyday stuff, you know, whatever music they're into, whatever, you know, stuff like that, so I think being present is something that um, is very huge, something that I know now with this being my first year with volleyball that they love as well, just kind of being there, being, you know, able to talk to everybody and it really helps me understand and know more about what's going on than obviously our record, who's our top player. And, you know, now I'm starting to learn volleyball schemes. What's our, what's our code words? What defenses we're running? Oh man, this is why, you know, we took advantage of them in this because our defense is set to do, you know, I can yeah. explain more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, work-life balance. What do you do to have fun? I tell you what, with uh, a toddler and, uh, and and one coming, there's not as much time for it as, as too much fun. But uh, for me, the number one thing, um, I, I love going to church and I play the drums at mm. my church. 
So um, I really have a fun time, you know, a good time doing that. And I just like to be around and, and, and talk with people, really. So I like to hang out. I like to play basketball. I like to play racquetball. Um, I even play some disc golf. So, you know, me just kind of getting out and about, or even just going out with people to lunch. Um, I, I like that and definitely uh, playing the drums. I, I, I've been enjoying doing that, too. Uh, what? How do you uh, explain what you do to your son? Well, right now, so he's two, so he doesn't really get too much. But right now, he does everything is bayball. He can have a volleyball. It's like bayball, um, and I I just think it's because baseball was the first sport that or the easiest one that he could probably almost say. Mm-hmm. So um, every time, <clears throat> every time he sees a sport. Or every time he sees the Bobcat logo, he'll run to me and point and be like, baseball, daddy, baseball, or something like that. So I think he understands and knows that I do something with sports. We're always around sports. Um, and he's pretty smart to at least pick that up right now, like, too. Next time someone is in uh, St. Marcos, uh, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Tap Room. I love uh, the Tap Room. They got this phenomenal... Uh, queso burger um don't say that man oh my gosh i was scared the first time because it's like you know i don't really know i've never heard of a queso burger that's the best burger i've had so ever come go to the square hit up the tap room awesome uh if anybody had any questions for you want to get in touch with you what would be the best way to do it um, on Instagram and on Twitter, my name is Key K E, the number two, and then Success Key to Success. So um, I check those pretty regularly, uh, especially Instagram for sure. I do want to get a little bit better with the Twitter. I want to, you know, kind of get more, um, build more relationships with other SIDs just around the world, really. So if there's any uh, people out there that that is is into that and like doing that hit me up i'd love to you know just meet new people and 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 grow closer to some more people in the field i think it's uh pretty cool and something we need for sure awesome well keontae thank you very much for coming on we all do really appreciate it but yeah thank you my man